Welcome to Board Game Box Office, a Table Knots podcast about board games, movies, and stuff from before we were born. Today I'm joined by Kyle and Kenny, and we're talking about the games we've been playing, the movies we've been watching, and our featured topic, our favorite classics, which we'll spend some time defining and discussing later in the show. Before we get into that, Kyle, what you been doing lately? Max, what have you been doing lately? Not coming up with uh, joke intros, apparently. Neither. No. Yeah. <laughs> we just off the cuff. I I was really looking for something, and I was just hoping to get you to come up with something instead. Or Kenny, what mm. have you been doing? <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm just always here, but not in the Kenny, intro. Fair. Kenny's You're always reliable, here, yeah. Kenny. He's, he is reliable. He's reliable. It's either my internet, or Josh is having a baby, or Dolan <laughs> is doing God knows what. Yeah, Dolan's like, though, he's preparing YouTube videos, so... I guess I'll I'll let it slide, considering I haven't done a YouTube video in like a month by this point. Uh, but I did try to do one on uh, Monday, and apparently I've lost my uh, SD card and adapter. So uh, I think How my convenient. dog ate it. I did you to- check the Switch? Uh, no, but I don't even use my Switch. I should probably sell that. I need to buy a new SD card and adapter, though, apparently. So uh, I'm, I apologize, people who wanted to see my face. You'll just have to hear my voice instead. Should should apologize to Doolin for having to pick up all the slack. Yeah, no, he picked up all the slack, <laughs> and for that, I. But he's also not on the pod. It's you know, it's a it's a trade off, right? You know, we gotta we gotta give him crap, even though he's been on like I think most of the recent episodes. We'll still just pretend <laughs> that that's not accurate. Oh, I do I do want to shout out um a guy in our Discord, Patrick, said some really nice things about the podcast. Yeah, and Patrick's so I wanted to give guy. him a shout out. That was awesome to hear. All right, man, I played a game uh, called Arceus Society, which is uh, a card game uh, re-implemented from uh, a classic game called Ethnos. Um, I don't, Kenny, we had talked about it before. Had you ever played Ethnos or no? No, I, uh, it's, it's like a game that was like forever on my wish list, but I just never pulled the trigger on it. Yeah, I, I had never played Ethnos either, um, and I was excited to try Arceus Society. Uh, I just knew, Max. <laughs> I just knew. And the, and the audience knew, to be frank. <laughs> I agree. I, I know where I stand. I'll ask you about other stuff, like, did you see this foreign film from 1931? Actually, yes. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Arceus Society, or uh, Ethnos, uh, rather, is a game I, I had always wanted to play and never got to, um, because it's a card game, but it also had some area control elements. Now... From my understanding, Arceus Society is like 98% Ethnos, but they did take away uh, the area control element. Um, so instead of controlling different areas on a map, you just have, there are like six different tracks uh, you go up. And so I think instead of like more of a co- competition to like control an area, like anybody can go up the tracks and you just get wherever the points are that you land. So it's a little less interactive. So I think I would prefer the Ethnos part of it. But really, Arceus Society is actually a, a nice, clever little card game. Very simple. So uh, what you do on your turn is you're either going to be drawing one card or you're going to be playing a set. Uh, and a set is either going to be uh, cards all of one color or cards all of one suit. And then you're going to set a leader card. So just a card that's on top. And whatever color that card is, you go up that track. And whatever suit that card is, you get a special little power. Um, so that power could be like collecting something for points or um, 
giving you plus one for your set because the size of your set also uh, determines how many points you get and uh, if you can even go up a track because each section of the track you have to have more cards than previously so that uh, those powers can help you there. Um, it's one of those games that's just like very simple to learn because it has very few rules. Um, and I guess the complexity really comes from uh, just those different suits. So the game comes with like 12 or 13 and you play with six at a time. Um, and the rule set gives you like six different sets to play with, or you can just randomize the factions um, all up. So I, I really enjoyed Archeo Society. I, I really think I would enjoy Ethnos more um, with the fantasy theming over the mm. uh, archaeologist theme and the area control over the tracks. But that art, though. The art is good. Um, and really, the game is is good enough that like I'm not like seeking out Ethnos um, because I don't think like one you don't need to own both from my understanding and two like the game plays like really short. This is like a 30 minute game, 30 45 minute card game, um, and the gameplay is still like solid. Um, I would just prefer the theming if like both were readily available. I would pick Ethnos, but hmm. uh, if the game sounds interesting at all, Archaeo Society is a very solid card game. Um, one I think the Table Knots crew would really enjoy for its quickness and like simplicity in the rules and still being like uh pretty good decisions. Yeah. It's been one that I've like wanted to play for a long time. I just never bit the bullet on. Cause even the old, even Ethnos isn't like an expensive game. It's not like out of print. Well, maybe it's out of print, but it's not uberly it's hard print. to find. Yeah. You can get it for like 30 bucks or whatever. I've just never done it, but it does seem like a really cool game. Like you said, kind of that, that mix of simplicity and interaction which we all seem to enjoy with, you know, things like Tammany Hall and Inish and stuff like that. It seems like it might fit in that wheelhouse. Uh, I definitely like to give it a shot, but yeah, I always find it p- funny that people shit on Ethnos art, but like the artist is John Howe, which is like a pretty like revered fantasy artist. Like he's done a lot of art for like magic and I'm looking at his, um, BG- I think BGG the board is a lot know. of the problem. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's fair. It, I think the board is very, it's very bland yeah. looking. It's like risk, but pretty, worse. I don't know. But I mean, like, I don't know. It, it, it seems, I think like it's one of those things like people, cause it's a Simon game originally. So I wonder if just people expected, Oh, a bigger production from a Simon game than what they got in Ethnos. But, um, I don't know. Uh, I, I've always wanted to play Ethnos too. I, I've been intrigued by Archeo, Archeo society, but, um, the fact that there's no area control stuff is kind of a bummer because that, yeah, that that was right. always a big draw for me with Ethnos. Yeah, the the tr- tracks are fine, right? But it would be cooler if, like, with the area control portion of like uh, screwing over somebody or like really competing over the different tracks, um, gives that just a, that little extra to make it special. I think. All righty, Kenny, what have you been doing? Well, this is a this is a Wii Max because we actually got to Ooh, get uh, yeah. Star Wars Shatterpoint to the yeah, table we recently. Uh, this has been like months in the making. Uh, you know so what's been even first... longer in the making, Kenny? Uh, playing on that, playing Dylan's, on uh... Doolin's battle maps <laughs> that he created. It's been that a thing year... was sweet. Yeah, it's Teach. been like a year and a month, thirteen months in waiting, and it was yeah. worth it was worth the wait. He, he made that for you like when we were pretty deep in the kill team and then we just yeah. kind of stopped because i think doing was able to start playing games with us again so yeah <laughs> we we got back to three and then four players at jash mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. but yeah so we we so star wars shatter point is a mini skirmish game uh we basically control two forces of four um from the star wars universe mostly uh focused on the prequel characters at the moment but it looks like they're going to expand out to like 
the rest of the universe. Um, and it so unlike I, I, I'd say like probably the most interesting aspect of the game so far, because it is pretty typical. Like you roll dice, you have special characters with special abilities, and you have to traverse terrain and um positioning on the map. You have to think about positioning on the map. Um but what I found really interesting about the game is it's not really a game about fighting. Like fighting seems to be the least important thing you you, you can do. Mm-hmm. It's more about uh, using your abilities to control the objectives and maximizing your points that way. Um, because like I, like I found in the game that like I was spending a lot of time to like, uh, fight you and try to get points that way, but it was, it's just a lot of effort to get there. Yeah. I, I found, you know, it's, it's always hard with a mini miniatures game to kind of like really rock it the first time Yeah, and we were, our, our game took a bit and we were kind of stumbling through the rule book. Uh, Doolin was specifically, because uh, he was kind of just helping us teach the game to us as we played. Um, but I, I mean, I'm, I think we all walked away from a very like intrigued and excited about the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just from both like the hobby aspect and the game aspect itself, um, which is like for me like a really nice feeling. So I, I feel like I've been like in a hobby slump the past I don't know six months or so. You and me both. So, yeah. so to kind of get excited about. Um, do playing a miniatures game and assembling minis and painting minis again is a, a fun prospect for sure. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. It's fantastic with some, uh, I don't know. I I'm cautiously optimistic about it. Um, I, I, you know, I had a really good time. I want to get into it more. I want to play it more often. It does worry me because that's just miniature war gaming. We had this with kill team at the same time where it's like, I really want to play it and I really loved it, but are we actually going to is the question at hand. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was great. It was real simple. And we were, like I said, stumbling through the rules, but everything made pretty logical sense. Everything flowed fairly smoothly. There weren't many hangups. Um, we noticed maybe a couple really minor things in watching some videos after our play that we did a bit wrong or that we would change moving forward. But for the most part, I think we basically played it right, which is pretty telling for Doolin only having played it one time and me and you having not played it at all. Um, yep. It does make you just want to play with the team building aspect of it, buy new packs, mix and match, new packs, new expansions, mix and match these different characters. Um, and look for the synergies, because one of the things that I think it stand makes it stands out from something like Kill Team, which I want to talk about here in a minute, is the synergy aspect. Uh, Kill, Kill Team has a lot of synergistic units, but, but it's not overwhelmingly so. Whereas in Shatterpoint, I felt like most characters not only were able to synergize and bounce off of one another, but like you'd be real remiss if you didn't. Like there were many opportunities for me to activate a character that then activated something else and me to move this character without it being his turn and so on and so forth. And I think that the team building aspect and the the way that they can synergize together is really what makes it stand out. Um, Speaking of the activation system, I think it's really cool uh, in the sense that you're drawing cards a la Cosmic Frog almost where it dictates who goes next. So it's not like most normal miniature war games where you're kind of like, I activate this guy. And he's done for the turn. And then your next turn comes around. Like, who, who's the best interest for me to activate? You're drawing a card and it's telling you who to activate. Now you can spend some of your points basically to store that until a later date. But uh, you're not able to be fully in control, which I think is interesting. I like that. Some people might not. 
But for me, I think that that's really cool. Makes it a bit more strategical of when to push units and wait for units and stuff, so on and so forth. Um, I do agree with Kenny that it's more control based, but I think combat can also allow a lot of control. We may have not seen it as much in our first play, but I noticed on many of the attack trees, there's lots of pushes and lots of movements and repositionings. Right. So even in attacking, sometimes you will need to attack to push someone off of their control point. So uh, I definitely agree that it is more control heavy, but that it's also kind of intertwined quite beautifully, I think. So I don't know. I'm really excited to play Shatterpoint more. Uh, I just I hope we actually do is what I'm what I'm saying here. Yeah, and it's hard to find a balance with a game like this because it, it it can very much be like a lifestyle game. Like this is the game you play, and so figuring out how to balance that with like you know the regular board games we play mm-hmm, right. and all that is you know it's, it's going to be hard to find that balance. Um, but I think like the fact that uh, Doolin's on board and Jash is on board too, like right. Or, or at least excited about it will help us get to the table more often. Um, and it's a game like we can play like at three and four pretty easily as well. So yeah, that's fair for sure. Yeah, I like it a lot. Kyle, you have any interest in this? Probably not. Uh, I vaguely just because it's Star Wars. I think. <laughs> yeah, and I've always wanted to dip my toes a little bit into mini gaming just to see what it's like, you know. But um, I I just can't imagine ever getting around to it because i would be the only one buying it i would be the only one painting it i would be the only one assembling it i would have to get terrain like so it would be it would fall all on me and i'm just not about that i don't think i will say and i'm not i i think you're mostly right in that in that uh guess there but i will say that i think the core box does a lot in that that's pretty much all you need uh there's squads four squads meaning you can play it at two or four uh, the models are fairly easy to build, but the biggest thing is that unlike Kill Team or especially 40k, your squads are made up of three, four minis, as opposed to eight, ten, or in 40k, lots. Mm-hmm. So like building and painting it is actually not a huge commitment. I say that as someone who hasn't painted mine yet, but like building and painting them is nowhere near the commitment that Kill Team, even Kill Team, let alone 40k is. So I think it's a pretty good entry point. And because you like Star Wars, I know you like mini painting with your Marvel United stuff. I mean, just having the minis painted up and looking cool as a display piece is pretty great. Uh, but the core box also comes with the terrain. So, like, there's really nothing you need. Like, I do like that. I do like good. that it comes with terrain. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So, I'm a big believer that you shouldn't get into a skirmish or miniature war game unless you can find someone else who's willing to do it with you. Like, oh, you yeah, need if a you buddy. don't have anyone, I agree. Yeah, don't, don't do it. Um, but if you can find that special someone who's going to be your chosen one, you know, get into it, try it out, you know, split a box. That's right. Yeah. That's what, that's what we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I really don't think I got it. <laughs> Unfortunately. Well, just force someone to. Oh, okay. Yeah. One of your, okay. one of your friends. Megan, maybe. Yeah. Megan, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> right up rally. Hey, speaking of being forced and being forced to talk about a movie that I don't even really want to talk about. Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> I recently watched A Man Called Otto. Uh, the reason that I'm talking about this is specifically to rile up Jeff from Foster the Meeple, because uh, we have a movie club with Jeff and Jamie and Emily and Doolin, myself and uh, Danielle. And we, A Man Called Otto was chosen last week by Jamie. And I've seen this movie before. I had my feelings on it, and they didn't really change. Um, Everyone else loved it, though. They really loved it. They thought it was fantastic. Um, and I think it is just fine. 
I I think I gave it a three and a half, and maybe that's even a bit generous. As I as I'm thinking about talking about it, I'm like maybe even a three. It should probably be a three. It's just one of those like I don't I don't even know how to say this. A man called Otto is one of those like it's like it's a movie that Karens would really love. Like <laughs> that's how I that's how you, I feel. You want to rephrase that? <laughs> so you, I, I you wanted to talk about this and not get yelled at, and that's what you chose. Yeah, listen, I don't know how else to describe it. I was trying to think of a better way to say it, but I really couldn't. I think it's, it's like movie... up there with the blind side. Yes, ex- exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's a movie that middle-aged white women really dig. <laughs> they are they are big fans of this movie. I, I, I like that you're equating that all middle-aged white women are Karens. Well, you know, I say that as someone it's, that's not true. You know that oh, not boy. all middle-aged white women are Karens. And obviously, it's not only middle-aged white women that like this movie. And I think it's a perfectly fine movie, but it doesn't it doesn't even remotely breach past fine for me. Uh, I think I'll talk about my issues with it. I'm sure I'm already going to get yelled. I think Kyle is literally typing to Jeff right now as, <laughs> as I'm continuing to review the movie. Um, no, no, no. I want him to hear this live. Oh, great, great. Love I wanna, that for I me. Wa- not live. I want him to hear this. And just the, the first message from him is just going to be oh, so, <laughs> so beautiful. I can't wait. It is it is like a very okay, let's start from the top. Let's start from the top. I think Tom Hanks is miscast. Uh in this movie, he's supposed to be a really, really grumpy man. If you don't know what a man Colorado is, it's a Tom Hanks movie. It's based off of a book, which is ba- it's based off of a movie which is based off of a book. So it's already three in, and I don't see the point. I think you'd be better off just watching the original movie or reading the book. But here we are. Americans decided, hey, let's make this movie, but make it American because the original, I believe, is Swedish. Uh, anyways, Hanks is miscast because he's supposed to be a grumpy old man, but like, it's Tom Hanks. Like, I never looked at him once and was convinced that he was actually grumpy. Like, I was like, nah, he's not, he's not grumpy. He's Tom Hanks. There's no grump under there. Uh, the movie's, yeah, I don't know. The movie's boring in my opinion. I think it's just, it's just boring. I don't know. That's just, I obviously think that some others don't. You, okay, wait. You gave this. You said you're going to give this three stars, and you're giving you're you're ca- you're crapping on this pretty I, bit. I haven't finished. Though. I haven't finished, and I also said that I do think it's fine, which to me is like a three. That's a three. If I think a movie's fine, I think it's a three. I'll never rewatch it at a three. Like I have no desire to ever rewatch a three movie. But like it's not. I think it's. I think it's okay. Um, I think it is. It is certainly emotional, and I definitely teared up. I think that's where a lot of the good feelings come from, right? Because it's about this guy who's like grumpy and comes around, turns his life around, is nice to his neighbors, stuff like that. But the entire time, it just feels artificial. Obviously, it is because it's a movie, but like it doesn't convince me that this is real or that this is actually the way things are happening. It just feels like it's following a bullet point script and it's like yells at neighbor feels bad about it be friends neighbor like i just feel like we're going like flow chart rather a flow chart of how this movie should go but i do not think it's terrible which is where it comes back up a little bit for me i do think the movie's fine it did make me feel things which is what i think it was intending to do but much like the blind side which may also make me feel things at times i do not necessarily think it's a very good movie in fact i think it's not very good but I think A Man Called Auto is fine. It's just, 
it's just it's it is what it is. I was more surprised that everyone loved it so much, but hey, I guess I guess that's just this sounds me. like this sounds like a two star to me, Max. I, I'm with you, Kenny. He called the movie boring, bullet point script, yeah. miscasting. Yeah. <laughs> what but a it, movie. Listen, I, I would I would like you all to watch it and see because I, I agree nah. that I'm speaking quite negatively on it, but I do think it has value i do think it well maybe not because i've never seen the original if i saw the original maybe i'd say why was that ever made maybe that would lower my score even but i do think it's like an okay movie that made me feel things and like it's it's (laughs) quite a bit of things about like acceptance and of course tom hanks does a pretty decent job i think he's miscast but i think his performance is actually okay uh i think he's had some weak roles lately but this one in particular i didn't think was that bad um so i really don't hate the movie but I'm trying to be the I'm being the devil's advocate for hating it because everyone else loved it. Does that make sense? I think you need to be brave and give it the real rating you think it deserves. Well, I said I think I should drop it to a three. I said at least that much. What did you have it at? You need to drop it to a three. I had it at three and a half. No, three and a half. Not a four. It's definitely not a four. You're you're like living up to your reputation of just loving everything. And you all are living up to your reputation of always shitting on me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not shitting we're supporting you yeah we're supporting you wanting to give a bad rating yeah agreed i'm supporting you i'm like max listen to yourself see let, let the hate flow through you I, but i'm playing i i know that but i really don't think it's a bad movie it's it not good like but it's not bad it's absolutely not a three and a half it deserves a three you're right what okay what about two and a half? What about two and a half? If if I, that would be the lowest, <laughs> I, it's not lower than a two and a half. It's really okay, not. Okay, can I get you? Let's get him to a two. Can <laughs> no, Think you all this. you all should watch this movie. <laughs> it's really not that bad. Like I'm talking badly about it because everyone else loved it, and I'm giving my opinions, which do happen to be the negative ones. But I think it's all right. Like I don't think it's a terrible movie. I think everyone will respect you more if you give it a two. <sighs> oh my gosh, that's all I've ever wanted was your respect. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our featured topic for the day, starting with our board games. Today we're talking about classic things, classic board games, classic movies. So as we move into this conversation about classic board games, we wanted to, or well, rather we had to define classic, right? So yeah, this may be a bit of a incorrect statement to assume that all of these are classics, but it's how we felt like would be best to discuss these games. So for our individual hosts, we are basically discussing movies that came out before we entered the hobby. So for me, that's 2016. For Kyle, that's 2014. For Kenny, that's 1991. And anything <laughs> before that, we are allowed to discuss. So we're going to talk about some honorable mentions that didn't quite make the cut. And then three that we felt worth mentioning. We didn't really make any like stipulations as far as these have to be our three favorites. It was just kind of like three classics. Whatever you designate that to mean, what you believe classic to mean, is how we're going to talk about these. Kyle, give us your honorable mentions. Okay. Uh, so before I give you my honorable mentions, I want to mention, like, when I was doing my top three, this was tough for me to do because, uh, as Max said, I, I came into the hobby about 2014, 2015. Um and there were a lot of good games around that time and, and shortly before that uh, that I would consider great games. Um, so what I did in devising my list is I took the games that came out prior to me getting into the hobby, 
but that I played when I first got into the hobby. So like that first year and that I would still play today. So that's what I, how I came up with my list. Games that I played when I first got into the hobby and would still play today. Okay. So my honorable mentions are games that I played when I first got into the hobby that were older um, that I either would not play today or that have been replaced by something very similar. Um, okay. Not that. So my first honorable mention is uh, Agricola, uh, which came out in 2007. Uwe uh, Rosenberg's not his first game, but one of his first, one of the first worker placement games. Um, everybody knows I love Uwe. Uh, Agricola is up there, but I I just think I like Caverna more. Um, and I would still gladly play Agricola like on BGA and something, but I did get rid of my hard copy um, just because I would always pick Caverna over it. Uh, my second honorable mention is uh, the card game called Splendor. Um, now, I hold this game near and dear to my heart because this is a game I played with Megan uh, quite a bit when I was first getting into the hobby and we were like, uh, we were a young married couple and we didn't have any kids and we would just play Splendor while watching shows and uh, it's her favorite game and so it holds a lot of good memories for me. But would I ever pick to play Splendor by myself or with my friends? Not, not ever, not a chance. Um, and then my third honorable mention is Pandemic, uh, the original base Pandemic. Um, I think Pandemic is, uh, I mentioned before on the podcast and the videos, I think Pandemic is a genius design. Uh, I think it revolutionized cooperative games uh, in a really smart mathematical way. Um, but I think there are just, I think there are better Pandemic now, uh, Pandemics now, and I think there are better cooperative games that kind of just uh, do the Pandemic model better. Uh, like. Horrified is one that you could bring up. Spirit Island, I think, is probably the shining star of that pandemic model that has been made better. Uh, so, yeah, those are those are my honorable mentions. All right. Kenny, what are your honorable mentions? Um, so, just to clarify, I got into game board games around 2013. Don't highlight that, Max. Don't take, take that highlight <laughs> off. Um, <laughs> so, I got into games about 2013. Um and yeah, like Kyle said, like around that time, there were like a lot of great games. Um, that's kind of like, I don't know if that's just like when the wave of like really great board games started kind of coming out and just like in large volumes. Um, but a few of my honorable mentions is Castles of Burgundy. I put in parentheses, duh, because uh, we talked about duh, yeah. Castle Burgundy at length. I also yeah. didn't put it on my list because we've just talked about it so much. Uh, yeah, same. That's the reason it, it's not on my list. It deserves yeah. to be on every one of our lists. We just, you know, didn't want to recycle the same games here. Uh, I also have Lords of Waterdeep. It's one. It's a worker placement game I still love um, and one I would happily revisit. Um, and I, it's like one of my most blinged out games at this point. Um, and the last one, I just picked all the Reiner Knizia games, just all of them. I, I feel like I talk about them a lot, <laughs> so I didn't want to go super in depth into them. But like you know, Modern Art, Raw, Lost Cities, Lost Cities, yeah. There's just so many, so many, so many great ones. See, but, Lost Cities uh, is going to be on my list, and I was like, oh, Kenny's going to put that on his list, so I'll take it off. Which I guess you did to an extent. Yeah, uh, but yeah, there's my honorable mentions. I mean, there's there's a lot of great games. A lot of great games. All right, mine are uh, my. I chose mine for a different reason than you all chose yours, and that would be that was because a one of them is like hard to even quantify as a board game, and that's Crokinole, um, which has been around for God knows how long. I didn't look it up. Maybe I should have, but it was eighteen hundreds. I think old game. Uh, and some like it, I do find it weird that Crokinole is considered a board game, but like I get it. 
because it's a dexterity game. It's just so strange because it's I think so it's like unique. a I think I think of it way more as like a, bar a parlor game. game. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. It's like more akin to like shuffleboard and darts, but I, I guess it is played on a board, so I guess that's where they get me at. And then chess because that's just again another game that I don't know for how long that's been out, but I actively enjoy chess. I'm not very good at it. Uh, I haven't played it in a long time until actually about two weeks ago. I started playing it again with my friends at work. So. Uh, just a game that I adore and is obviously a classic, um, but not really board gamey, if that makes sense. So I just wanted to kind of knock those two out as honorable mentions as classics that I really like, but that may not fit what most people consider to be board games in this day and age. All right, Kyle, talk to us about your number three. Uh, okay, so my number three is probably the game that uh, was not my first board game, um, but definitely one that got me into the hobby. It kind of opened my eyes. Uh, to what board gaming can be. Like, I was so excited when I first played this. I was learning the rules, and I thought it was the most complex thing ever. Uh, <laughs> but I was, like, still so enthralled by it. And it's a game Kenny already mentioned, and that's Lords of Waterdeep. Um, which, looking back now, like, Lords of Waterdeep is... Lords of Waterdeep is such a basic worker placement game, right? It's, it is quintessential basic worker placement. You go to a spot, you take the resources, nobody else can go there. That's it. Uh, you're trying to fulfill quests. Um, but man, I don't know if it's the nostalgia. I still really love Lords of Waterdeep if you add in both expansions. Um, it's a quick game. 60 minutes, 60, maybe maybe 90 if you're playing with four players. But it is just so easy to teach. Um, you're still making interesting decisions. There's there's some luck and randomness. And it's I've played it so much now where it's gotten to a point where uh, Max likes to call these uh, coffee table games. Uh, that. You you don't have to really put too much thought into playing Lords of Waterdeep, even though there are some good decisions. You can kind of like BS around it and even have like a football game on or something while you're playing it and still enjoy it. Um, but Lords of Waterdeep is is the first thing that came to my mind when we were talking uh, classics. Yeah, I, I love I, I know you just talked about it, but Lords of Waterdeep is great because it is so streamlined and just like like breezy, right? Like it's everything just kind of makes sense and but there's still like even now like if, if i play i i still I get into like trying to find the efficiencies and trying to build out a, a strategy based off the quests or the different uh buildings that come out like yeah it's still such a great game i'd like to revisit this actually it was one of the first board games that i ever played like modern board games i I went to a board game night with a few local friends, and I think we played Batman Love Letter and Lords of Waterdeep with the Skullport expansion. Um, and I remember liking it, but like this was probably 2016 when I first started playing board games, and I've yet to ever play it again. So I've just played it the one time, one of the first entries into the hobby, and then never again. So I'd like to try it out now with some context for board games and see, see how it holds up. Yeah, I'd be interested if it would hold up for you now without you like without you having it built up like for years and years of playing it and not mm -hmm. ever returning to it like when you first started. Um, because you've just seen other worker replacement games. You you're, there's just so many like points of reference where you can say mm -hmm. like, oh, this does it better or that game does it better. Um I don't I don't know if it would hit quite the same for you now. Yeah. But I mean Maybe definitely still try it out. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to do that. Kenny, what's your number three? Uh, my number three is the nineteen no two nope that's wrong two thousand seven classic race for the galaxy. Um, this is one I 
discovered largely through Board Game Arena. And I think it's actually a game that me and Max played yeah. a ton. Um, and I, I don't know. It took about like two, three, four games to really grok it. But once I did, I just fell in love with it. Agreed, um, same here. I, I just love the... How, like it's a game kind of like Lost Cities where there's so many tough decisions in the game, but like you, there's only like maybe 20 or so turns um, in the game where you're and you just every every turn feels excruciating. Um, and there's just always so many possibilities of what you can do and what strategies you can um, go down, you know, based on what, what cards you get. Like every game feels can feel really different if you choose to enact different strategies and you know it's, it's a game of skill too like i think like you, you'll get a sometimes just get a bad hand of cards but like if you know what you're doing like you can really find the efficiencies in your engine mm-hmm. and just do a lot of cool things um yeah it, it, great it, but interestingly there's a game i actually don't own um because I, I think that board game arena implementation is just so good yeah um, i agree even though it's pretty older, it's a, quite a bit older than implementation. Like I think they've made, it's been up on BGA for a while, but mm-hmm. um, you're talking about it makes me want to start up a game. So, Hey, I'm in, I'm in. <laughs> this one took me like 12 plus games to learn because I only play BGA on my phone and like the hold, yeah. the, the hold, the hover, whatever doesn't work. So like I just played it by like trying and failing like failing forward like i don't know what this does let's do it um but even still i I think that that's interesting is that it kind of translates into how i play that game in general because like you said it is kind of a quick game and it does have some wacky combos in that like i really like race for the galaxy and it is very strategical yet at the same time it's like a playground almost of like Mm -hmm. what can i do this game i'm gonna try something i've never done before and it may fail miserably but that's okay because it's not a long game. We'll just run it back immediately after. Um, I just love those games. Where you can kind of explore and try things out. And I feel like race for the galaxy is one, even with my 30 some odd plays has never really ran its course for me. Like I'm perfectly happy to continue to try, try out new things in that one. Yeah. Like race for the galaxy Two is like one of those games, kind of like, like lost cities or um, whatever. Like games that like, I I'm always happy to have like a continuous game going yeah. and on BGA just mm-hmm. because like, like I said, there's just so much to explore and so many different ways you can play it. Totally. My number three uh, is actually a game I'm probably selling to Jeff, um, but I think it's really, really good. And when I think about classics, I also try and take into account like maybe something unique that they've done or maybe how they may have altered or affected future games that came after it. And this one is Forbidden Stars. This game came out in 2015. It's a Warhammer, maybe you'd call it 4X, probably not, but like area control type game uh, where you're fighting in the galaxies for control of certain objectives. Um, But the wrinkle, the the biggest wrinkle, there are several things this game does differently and unique that I've yet to see replicated anywhere else, but the biggest wrinkle is the order system in which you place face down the action that you intend to take uh, at some point in time through the round and you place it down in your turn and then it when the round is over they activate from top to bottom so whatever was placed first is actually what's going to happen last and there's lots of instances where you can get screwed over you can screw your friends over or you can miss plan where you needed to do one thing before you did the other thing like i need to recruit before i can move because i can't move if i don't recruit and then someone messes you up and places on top of your recruit and you're forced to pull your move before you've done your recruit 
And I just think things like that are so interesting to me, and I love the mind yeah, see, games. That's, like a, that's a really clever mechanism. Like, I really thought I was like, oh, man, this is just, like, really smart. Mm-hmm. But it was very hard for me to grok when we played mm-hmm. and figure out, like... It messes it with your head. Like, it was almost like I was, like, I was just, like... Uh, trying to get lucky almost like it was like it didn't matter what i did i was just mm. throwing stuff out yeah there i definitely didn't because feel it was just that too way. much i didn't feel like it was no strategy um i felt like it was very brain burnery like it hurt my head um but like i didn't feel like i was uh, i didn't feel like i didn't have any agency uh <laughs> which i think would have been a downside if i felt that way but i also think the combat in this game is really ingenious uh, i think it's a bit slow it's a bit slow yeah there should be some stuff that improves it uh it's a four-player game that i don't think i'd ever want to play it for uh, but it's a game that you can play time and time again and really never have like the same hand of cards because you start with the same hand, but then you can upgrade and, and just branching paths, basically. And of course, there's four different factions in the core game and some fan made stuff to bring that up to eight, I believe. But uh, I think it's just a really cool and unique game that I think is is different from a lot of stuff we see out there. And uh, it was actually only one year before I got into the hobby. So I knew for a fact that Kyle nor Kenny would be able to talk about it. So I kind of tried to to pace these out a bit for me. Why are you getting rid of it then? Because we don't play it enough. You got to try harder. <laughs> Maybe. I'll play it anytime. I would love to play I really it again. Like, I really liked it. Doolin thought it was okay, which hurt his chances. To be fair, though, Doolin, Doolin, Doolin set his life on the line with a single combat. And if he won that combat, he was sitting pretty. And if he lost that combat, he was out of the game. And Dueling Gambit. predictably, I won that combat. So I think he was a bit salty <laughs> predictably. that he sat there the remainder of the game. Like, here's my concern. You're going to sell this to Jeff, and he's not going to appreciate the Warhammerness of it. Like, we try to explain true. how cool. We try to explain to him and Dueling how cool orcs are in the Warhammer 40K Yeah, universe. I think they did like, not get that. Yeah, uh, uh, you know this, what? This, that's my concern. They man. don't get a right, whole lot, though. Kenny. They're not very bright. That really bothered uh. me. You know what? <laughs> I think you're right. I think you, you might let's, be on. Let's hold maybe. on to it. We might have to. You know, he almost took it home, but he didn't have room in his suitcase. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Maybe, maybe it's fate. Maybe it was fate. <laughs> that's right. Maybe it was fate. All right, Kyle, talk to us about your number two board game. All right. My number two, like I said, games that I first played when I got into the hobby, still would still play today. Uh, my number two is, I think, 2005 game from Alan Moon. Uh, you may have heard of it. It's called Ticket to Ride. Kenny, have you ever heard of Ticket to Ride? I love Ticket to Ride. It is, yeah. it is uh, legit the first board game I bought. <laughs> yeah, Ticket to Ride. I asked for it for, uh, I remember asking for it for my wedding. It's the only thing I, I put on the wedding registry really? was Ticket to Ride. <laughs> And I, I got it, of course. Um, yeah, Ticket to Ride's great. It is, uh, you're literally just collecting cards, and then when you get enough of a color, you can lay down a train, and you get points for that, and you're just trying to build a really long route, trying to connect cities. I mean, it doesn't get much simpler. It's a game I've played with Megan, and she's enjoyed it. I've played it with my nephews. I've played it with my dad. I've played it with my friends. I, I've literally played it with everybody, and everybody has enjoyed it. Um, and it would, I would have been so pissed if no one brought up ticket to ride uh so it had it had to be brought up it's a classic it's a modern classic any way you slice it um i i think my favorite version is the nordic countries have you played nordic Mm. before kenny i have not now 
So it's specifically a three-player map. Uh, so it's it's already like it's really small and tight, um, and you can only play on cert from certain cities, like with a special like fairy card. So it's it's almost like an in between of like regular and the complexities of Europe. I and I just really liked. I don't know. I I just really like the like the Nordic setting. It's almost got like uh, a Christmassy feel to it. Uh, so that's that's why it's my favorite. But any really any of them are good. Uh, the U.S. map is great. Europe is good. It's a little bit less. Europe is a little less mean than base ticket to ride. But just yeah, pick your poison if you want something mean. Pick one of the two player ones or pick base American ticket to ride if you want something a little bit looser where everybody can have a good time. Pick Europe. I like Europe. Um, yeah. So t- ticket to ride is like because I I I play. I was pretty heavy into video games. Uh. I don't know, like 2007, 2008. And a Ticket to Ride actually came out like on the Xbox Live Marketplace where I was playing a lot of video games at the time. And the, I played the game was like, whoa, what is this? And it's, it's almost <laughs> like one of those things like it made me realize, oh, I really like games like this. So it's more strategical, um, long-term planning, and um, but still very tactical. Uh, it, it was like a revelation for me. And I, I instantly went out and, and that bought it retail. I uh, tried to play with my wife. She's like, "Nah, we don't really even have a table." And I was like, "You're that's right, that's fair." Um, so it's a kind of sat on the shelf for years. But yeah, I I, I love Ticket to Ride. I'm actually very inter- interested in the, the new Legacy one too. Me too. I can't believe it's yeah. already out. It kind of just like yeah. came. It just kind of just dropped. I re- I really want to play Ticket to Ride Legacy. It's gonna be. I wish Kenny. I wish we lived closer so we could play that together. Now that I know how Me much too. you love it. Would you play Ticket to Ride Legacy, Max? Yeah, I would play Legacy. I don't really care for Ticket to Ride, but I would try Legacy. Sounds like we got a party in the making. It's not a game I played that much. I only played it maybe three times total, and I just felt like it really... And I'm probably bad. Like, this is a me thing, but I remember in my experience, it just relied so heavily on the the routes you drew, and I feel like when it's it's got a big skill gap. Like, when people have played the Ticket to Ride a million times, they just like they know intrinsically they have to you place something here like oh that's your route i'm gonna block it and i'm just like okay <laughs> like i don't even know this game i have no idea what route you have and you've already blocked my ride it, it's really brutal it's really mean which is kind of interesting because it is like a gateway game for a lot of people but it's most it's like a zool right like if you play it not to be mean that's fine but then some people are really mean and it's like, oh man, that's Guilty. that's brutal. Guilty, yeah. So is Doolin. I play Azul, very mean. Doolin is very mean in Ticket to Ride. True. Very mean. True. He yeah. is like no holds barred savage. He he will wait until the last minute before you like you've built built the route and just take it right underneath you. You know how Doolin plays as the cats and root like pacifist, the opposite yeah. in Ticket to Ride. <laughs> Well, he should bring that ticket to ride energy to the cats and root because he's really chopping my ass. He likes to chop wood. He's like the dad from The Witch. He just doesn't know what to do except for chop wood. He just sits in his corner and he's clearing. The witch, yeah, in so many ways, worthless. All right, doesn't even make buildings. (laughs) Just chops wood. He really should bring some of that energy, though. I wonder what it is about Ticket to Ride that that brings the mean out of him. Who knows? Who knows? All right, what is your number two, Kenneth? Uh, mine is, this is the oldest game on my list from 1997, and that is For Sale. 
Uh, for sale is a pretty simple card game of basically two phases where you're going to buy real estate, buy these cards with different values on it from like one to 30. And then later on, you're going to auction them off, try to get the most bang for your buck um, while buying other people's properties to get the most points. Um, and it's, it's such a simple game, but it's one I, I find really, really um, engaging every time I play it. Um, it it's a good game that like has a good mix of social interaction, um, thinkiness, and, you know, the theme I think also works too. Like, you know, you, you can buy the, for 30 million bucks, you can buy the ISS space station or for, you know, a thousand bucks, you can buy like a shack, but down by the river. Um, and so that interaction of like, Oh, the, what are you buying and what are you investing in? is always just kind of as to the silly fun of the game. Um, and it, it's also on BGA and I actually find it, even though it can take a bit, um, in terms of just like if you play async, but I still find it works pretty well. Um, but for sale, I, I like it. Me too. Um, I am curious. I, I have a question about, I know a lot of people compare for sale to high society. And because you mentioned uh, Reiner Knizia in your uh, honorable mentions, have you played high society? Do you have an opinion on the two or not really? I have not played high society. I've, I tried to buy it recently, but it didn't work out. But High society is pretty good. One I like to get. Yeah, For sale is really cool. I like that one a lot. Um, like you said, really good combination of just like strategy with really simplistic gameplay. Like it's not a hard game at all. And I agree the BGA and uh, application implementation is quite good. For my number two, I picked Cosmic Encounter, which I think the, the version we play today came out in 2008. But the original Cosmic Encounter, I believe, came out in 1977. So this game's been around yep. for a long time. And it is a stone cold classic, in my opinion. Like one of the first ones that comes to my mind as far as games that are A, good, B, influential. Just so many things about Cosmic Encounter still holds up to this day, despite its age. Um, I'm sure a lot's changed since it initially came out, and I don't pretend to know the differences. But going by the rules, even the 2008 version is still a classic, given that I am eight years later to the hobby. Uh, Cosmic Encounter was one of my favorite games when I first joined the hobby, like number one. It was number one for quite some time. And it is one of those games that with age, or with, with time rather, has fallen because I think it's hit or miss. I think there are a lot of games out there that are always consistently good. No matter what happens in that game, it's consistently good. And there are going to be greats. There are going to be some that are not as good, but always consistently good. And for me, Cosmic Encounter is like a roller coaster in that some games are some of the best gaming memories I have, and other games are flat, dull, ending too quickly. Like, I feel like I'm just reading off nicknames I was told in middle school, but it's just one of those things that Cosmic Encounter is just a hit or miss type game, and it has had more misses than hits, maybe, in the past several years. But I do think that that's still a game worth owning. I don't ever intend to get rid of my copy, which is saying a lot coming from me, uh, and I would play it any time, given the chance, really. Still a fantastic game. Just, uh, you know, you got to be in the mood for it. You got to be prepared for the chaos. It's it's really group dependent. Like I think you have to have a group that get, can get into it and buy into the silliness, but also still 
keep up the competition, which is kind of be like a fine line. Yeah, to walk. that's. I think that's what happened in our most recent play. We yeah. all leaned into the silliness, and some of us, <laughs> Josh, decided they did not care about the uh, <laughs> the competitiveness about it in the in the slide. And I joined him. I joined. I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit here and pretend that I'm. Yeah, maybe I didn't lean into the silliness enough. You know. You know. That's <laughs> the problem, that Kyle. Problem. That's the problem. We all could have won except for Kenny. Instead, we all won except for <laughs> Kenny and Kyle. No, I tried, but we can't. But we you can't didn't. This again. But I, you didn't. I win. tried to. Jo- I tried to join Jack. Didn't I tell you not to? And no, I no, I tried to, uh, and you made it. Not oh, that's right. I forced I you remember. not to. I will say, yeah. yeah, a lot of it comes down to how quickly you're like alliancing with people because you only got one turn. Am I right, Kyle? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I want you to know, Kyle, for all that I did wrong in that game, I said from turn one, you all are being way too nice with your alliances and this game is going to end quickly. And it did. We were all way too kind to each other. Like, oh, you, you want to join? Oh, it's going to get you to four out of your five necessary victory points? Oh, come right along, brother. It's just crazy. Well, like I said, I, I knew that was happening. And you're right. I will give that to you. You were right. I really just thought it was going to be like, oh, Dolan's at four. Let's stop him. Not, hey, Dolan's at four. All of us can win. <laughs> yeah. I was... It's true, though. That's how that's Cosmic Encounter, baby. <laughs> Another game where Dylan's a real pacifist. True. What is yeah. this? And then the man plays. Oh man. Oh man. <laughs> we need to at least talk to Kyle about this, right? I think he's already got some about it from the Discord. But can we talk about the last play of Zuvatus? Mm. What was that? Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. Jeff was yeah. there. Mm. Yeah. Jeff was there. It is the single most. Like, like by the book definition of king making that I have ever seen. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Dylan looked at me and said, Kenny, you should be king. And I agreed. And I won. So thanks, Dylan. It was absurd. All right, Kyle. What's your number one classic board game? Okay. So my number one, take everything I said previously and throw it out the GD window <laughs> because it need not apply here. My number one is not a game that I played getting into the hobby. Uh, it is not one that I had played a lot for years and years. It is more of a, a recent enjoyment, um, one I picked up a year or two ago, and that is Uwe Rosenberg's Le Havre. And I just compelled, got compelled to bring this up because not a lot of people talk about Le Havre anymore. Speaking of, um, I was going to say I've never heard you talk about Le Havre. Yeah. It's not really, like, everybody talks about Agricola, Converta, a Feast for Odin, and Patchwork, and Lahav is like one of his big box games that's like really good. It's in the top 100 and um, one that's just like really great for two or three players. So in Lahav, everybody has one singular worker and you are putting that worker either on a card that's in your town or a card in another player's town. But if you go to another player's town, you have to pay them like money or food and but the thing is, like, your worker is, like, locking uh, locking that space down so they can't use that spot. Um, it is just, like, a really clever tableau-building uh, worker placement game um, that is, like, everybody talks about Agricola being Misery Farm or 
brass like you have to like take out all these loans like no like lahav is the like the hardest game in terms of like getting your head above water you will go into debt you will be food poor and you're just like for the the game is like 17 rounds and your first like four or five rounds you're just trying to scrap by trying to build an engine so you can feed yourself and pay off your loans at the end of the game um but it's one that you can like after like a play you kind of start to see what you need to do um and then you can really you can start playing the game a lot faster than some of those other ones uh like brass where it may take you a couple plays to get the the engine building of it uh so lahav is like it's just, it's really fun it's one that yeah it doesn't get talked about a ton um but for a classic game like i would love to see it get like re-implemented by somebody with like a very pretty copy because i got the geek up bits for it because it comes with like a, a ton of little chits and the base game is like cardboard chits but if you get the geek up bits they're nice and chonky and make the game a lot a lot more pleasurable um and I had to print off some player aids off of BGA, uh, BGG because uh, sorting all your chits out and sorting your cards out was, is kind of a hassle on a table without it. Uh, but, so you do have to get some some other stuff from other resources, but it, it's a great game uh, specifically for two or three players. Do not play it at more players. Interesting. That would be way too much. I've always had a little bit of interest in this game. I like Uva, but I don't like, I don't know if I love any Uva games. I mean, uh, Agricola. I really, really like Agricola. I mean, God, Caverna. You Caverna. mentioned Agricola earlier. Yeah. Um, but uh, other than that, like, I mean, A Peace Roden's really good, but I don't know if I love it. And Patchwork, same way. But I, I've always been interested in Lahav. I think, is it is it Tom Vassell that really loves Lahav? Yeah, it was his number yeah. one for a while, and okay. I, I don't think it's quite there yet. I think it's still in his top ten. Okay. But yeah, this is one that he has really stumped for. Gotcha. And really the only person I've heard talk about it in board game media. Hey, if you're going to have a person talk about it, that would be the yeah, that'd, that'd be, be the one I guess. One I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, well, I was one so I mean I I've always I buy Uva games and realistically don't play them um, too often, but Lahav is one I picked up about a year ago. Um and I definitely want to try to get played just because like I've heard it's just from so many people that they love it. Um and that it feels quite a bit different from his other um games. It um, is it but, is much different. So it still has some yeah. of that Uva feeling of like there's still animal sex and they're still like feeding your workers. Um, but it is, yeah, it's vastly different than Agricola or Caverna. Yeah. So uh, my number one is Lords of Vegas. Um, this is like, if he, if he like Lords of Vegas is basically like a um, area control game with like a lot of right dice rolls and well, um, open information so everyone knows what's going on and it's a game of like a lot of twists and turns and big dramatic moments and it's basically kind of like everything i love in board games um distilled down to like a 60 to 90 minute game um it's a game like where i've been the most upset in terms of just like seeing and being betrayed by the people at the table and or just having fate just screwed me over so bad with the bad dice rolls, but I still love it. Um, it is. It's also my favorite game with the like Las Vegas setting. I think like it's a game that really captures like um, the feel of like you know that classic feeling of Las Vegas. I think like a lot of games will use a like Las Vegas theme, just like here, here's 
glitz and glamour and buildings. Um, but I think Las Vegas, Lords of Vegas goes a bit deeper with this theming. And um, I think you can tell that the designers have a fondness for the city, which I think is cool. Um, but Lords of Vegas, Stone Cold Classic, came out in 2010. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's a game like not people, people don't play a lot just because it, it's a bit dated looking. Um, we'll have that new cop, that new edition, right? Is that out yet? No, I think they went uh, no, back to drawing board on that because it, Looked oh, did they? pretty rough for being a new edition. Um, they actually they actually did another second round mm-hmm. uh, of crowdfunding and it did go through. Okay, uh, did a lot better this time. So I think they're going planning on um, re-releasing it this year. A lot of it looks the same though, like the the baseboard looks the same, but they upgrade upgrade a lot of the components and stuff like that. Uh, but still, it's backward compatible with like the old Mayfair version that I have. Um, but I'm actually really excited for this one because it actually has they have, they have a new expansion that comes coming out that is good for like uh, different player counts because I think Lords of Vegas is really only good at four or five, um, but this new the, the new maps they have like they're having adding a, a, a Atlantic City map, um, a Reno map, um, so they'll be good like a two three uh, different player player counts which I think is uh, something the game really needs. So yeah, we played this at three right? It was me, you, and Doolin. I thought it was pretty good, so I'm I'm happy to hear that you would say it's even better at four and five, because um, I liked it quite a bit. I, I, it wasn't like a it didn't blow me away, but like it was one that I was very intrigued in, and I think that it shares a lot of things that I like about board games, like the interaction, the randomness, the uh, yeah. emotional high impact moments where things can swing on the turn of a dime and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I really liked it. I've also yeah, played I- it at three, um, and I, I'm similar uh, to you, uh, Max. Is that like it was like I liked this game, but I, I don't know if it set my world on fire. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I like at three. Like the game kind of hits a point like where just like you're just kind of waiting just to play That's the game exactly out. Exactly how it was. Um, yeah. yeah, at four or five, like it's kind of tense throughout. And, like the 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 final moments can really come down to like key dice rolls and stuff like that which i think is yeah um a lot more memorable and a lot more fun so um but yeah uh I, it's uh, the one i'd like to play uh bring out again with you guys it's uh it's a game i played a lot during uh the pandemic uh it was like kind of my go-to game on tabletop simulator so gotcha like when you're playing pandemic and you're like oh man this game's too boring so you pull out your phone and you get on tabletop simulator and you start playing that is that what you're saying yeah, it makes sense. I'm sorry you can't figure out the puzzle of Pandemic. You're right, I'm just too dumb. My uh, number exactly. one game, which, speaking of, I did not rank these. I don't know if you all did. I didn't rank these at all. Um, not really. Okay. Not I really. didn't rank them at all. Waterdeep, Waterdeep would have been one. Okay. My uh, final game uh, is, and I, I don't, I hope this isn't cheating. Wait, wait, actually, I, I don't think it is cheating. When did, uh, when did, when did this come out? Now I'm double checking something. Okay, well. Maybe it's cheating. I don't know. So mine is Take Five. Uh, no, it's definitely not cheating. Okay, Take Five came out in 1994, and I do think there's like a newer version of Six Nymphed that came out in more recent years. But whatever, we're we're going with Take Five or the original Six Nymphed, um, which is just a card game where you are placing cards in uh, numerical order. And you have to reveal them all and activate them in numerical order. So it's one of those games that the rules are incredibly simple. Now, it may take a minute to grok because it's a bit abstract. But, like, how you play it is really, really easy. You pick a card. You play it. And I think especially if you have, like, one person that just kind of knows the game well enough, they can kind of just handle the moving of the cards because that's the one thing 
that I think could stump people on their first play. Uh, but I think Six Nymphs is just a really fun game. I like it on BGA. I like it uh, in real life. And it's just a simple deck of cards. And it's endless entertainment. I think it's super fun, super fast. It has lots of, again, uproar moments that make you scream, moments that make you sigh and wince and things like that. Just a, a real excitement to it that I think is uh, un, unparalleled in many other card games. I think it does a really, really good job about that. So, And it's also a wacky player count where like it's three to ten, basically. Um, and like community even says that three is okay. Like maybe not, maybe not recommended, but like anywhere from four to 10 is, is widely considered to be great. And I think that's pretty, pretty solid when you can include that many people. And it doesn't like add to the rules complexity. The game doesn't change at all other than making it like harder to predict what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, six name fantastic game. Now, you mentioned this game in real life. I'm pretty sure you're only allowed to play Six Nymphs on BGA. It's not true. That's the only... <laughs> not true. <laughs> I've played it multiple times in real life. Nope. You're right. Why do you lie, liar? You're right. That was... It must have been Pandemic. Uh, this is a go-to game for me, uh, but with my, like, old... Like, uh, like when I played games at work, uh, this, Skull King, oh, um, these Skull are, like, two King. card Skull games King. that are, like, in when did constant Skull rotation. When did Dang it! I could have picked uh, Skull King. Uh, Twenty thirteen, yeah, probably great yeah. game. By the way, oh yeah, Six Nymphs is great. I, I, I do love the chaos of the game. It's just, it, especially the higher player chaos. It just becomes who knows what's going to happen, right, but right. it's still great. All righty. Now, I did want to briefly ask before we move on talking about the movies: Are there any games that have come out in the last three years that you would consider? an instant classic. So 20, 2020s and above, 2020s and newer, what would you consider an instant classic that you think we'll be talking about decades from now? I don't really have one. You took the one I was going to mention. Mm. So I will say the one you game that you can I would take consider... It. You can take it. I've got another. Are you sure? Yeah. All right. I'll take it then. I'm going to say Dune Imperium. Um. And that includes the new Dune Imperium <laughs> Far Shore edition. <laughs> that, it's the same game. Okay, so we're counting that one. Dune Imperium is going to stand the test of time and be a game that we talk about five, ten years from now. Yep, that's why I also picked it. Um, Dune Imperium might be, is, especially if we take out Jash since he's leaving again, like the Table Knots consensus number one board game of all time. Yeah, there's no way it's not. Because it's what? Top three for me. I don't know where it sits for Doolin. Top five for me, for sure. Maybe top three. Kenny? Yeah. And then Jash is just wrong. So, like, whatever. Yeah, he doesn't really have an opinion anyway. It's not anime, so he doesn't That's care. true. Yeah, I agree. I think I think we're going to be talking about Dune for a long time. Now, maybe they'll do stuff like Uprising. So, you know, it may be like Cosmic Encounter, where it's, like, kind of redone a little bit years gone by. But... I think in general, the core of Dune Imperium is going to be a game that stands the test of time. Uh, it's going to be one that we are playing and talking about in many years. The digital implementation is about to come out, and I'm a little I'm curious about that because I know Kyle, we've had this discussion before, where like we don't necessarily want our favorite board games digitally because we think it might soil the experience. But at the same time, yeah. I say to you that I've not played Dune Imperium in a long time, and I can't wait. I really want to play it again, <laughs> like. Yeah, maybe I don't play it every week. Maybe I don't have 150 games logged in a year like I do with Root. But yeah, maybe we don't play it every 
one after another yeah like back to back for three years but maybe we do because it's dude imperium and i freaking love dude imperium and i'm excited for the digital implementation that's going to allow me to play it more often i'm curious if they'll be launching with the expansions or not because oddly enough i've never played the core game i've only ever played with x but uh yeah i don't know i think uh, great pick kyle really good pick kyle thanks man you're welcome thanks Um, I struggled coming up with like a game for this. I I don't think there's a lot of games that I recognize now as like being really classic. Um, but one game I did that I think has potential is Heat. Um, because so I think it's just like a racing game that just really gets down to like what a racing game is. Um, it's pretty simple and has like really beautiful art that I think will st- like stand the test of time. Like I think you know five ten years from now people will still admire the art. In the it's game. very easy to for expansions too boom new Mm -hmm. map or like a new deck of cards into it it's just so easy to throw in expansions to keep it alive yeah and the zeitgeist you know yeah um and i think i think a a games that are tend to be a bit more simple um and not like mechanically dense tend to have a better chance at being like uh a game that can stand the test of time because i think i look at our our list uh and for the most part they're pretty like approachable uh simple games um but uh yeah i I love heat um and hopefully we'll see it around for many years to come agreed yeah it's actually pretty good on bga too played it quite a bit takes a little bit of time i yeah. did not care for it on bga i thought it was good i mean it's better in person yeah yeah it, it for a game like heat which you want to be fast paced i get that it's better in person for sure but i thought the implementation was still quite good it's definitely my favorite racing game i think which like it's not a category of games like I, I really like racing games, but they're not ones that have always they're not ones that have ever entered like my faves. Like you talk about like sheepy time, I think is good. I think downforce is good. I think a lot of these games are quite good, but none of Cubitos especially, but none of them have reached like the highs, the highs. I think heat has the has the best chance to ever reach that for me. So. Yeah, I'm actually with you on all of those points, Max. I'm not uh, super into racing games generally. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't really interest me, but I, I really liked Heat. And honestly, when I saw freaking Kenny put this on the list, I thought he was trolling me from that one time we were playing. We played the game on the podcast where we had to pick a game to take on the spaceship with us. And I said, he oh. and you guys freaking <laughs> lambasted me for <laughs> mentioning it. It's funny that you thought well. Kenny would troll you because the game that I picked that I highlighted in white here is Oath. I think Oath Oh my God, come on. Instant classic. <laughs> Nobody has talked about it since the year it came out. Nobody has talked about that game, too. Okay. I disagree. I, I do think it's a very good game, and I want to play it more, but that is strictly for a troll on Kyle. So instead, I'm going to pick Castles of Burgundy Special Edition, uh, which just launched. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. What are you doing? What have they done to us? What have they done to us? What did you do? All right. Max is making a mockery of this I podcast. That's the comedy I segment. Know. But really, I, did, I, I didn't have this prepared, but it was on my short list when I picked Dune Imperium. So once you stole Dune Imperium from me, I went back and looked real quick, and I did select, truthfully, I think Final Girl will be an instant classic that will stand up to the test of time. It's not a game that I love with all my heart. I know Kyle does not love it, but it is a game that I think has such a passionate fan base. You mentioned Heat, an infinite amount of expansions. It can just go on forever. 
I think that I think that Final Girl is definitely capable of being a classic board game that we still look back at in ten years. Yeah, and it's only gaining in popularity. Agreed. Yeah, it's been um, out for two years now, and more it's and more, more popular now than it ever has been. Yeah, and for Kyle, it's just a vacation game mm-hmm. that he'll probably forget about next, Florida. next year. I, I didn't. Okay, not to go back to. I didn't realize Heat was fifty six on the BGG list. That's crazy. That's nuts people people got that uh short-term what long-term memory loss i don't know what you would classify that as what they forget about the old they they play something new and they're like oh my god this is the greatest game ever and i do the same thing so like i can't even i can't even it's um it's not it's not long i know it's not not. what's the word what's the word i don't know what the word is that's why i said (laughs) long-term memory loss recency (laughs) bias yeah Two of us. We got there. And one, and one more on saying long-term memory. We got there. <laughs> That's why I was like, ah, I forget what the word is, but here we go. <laughs> All right. So those are the board games that we consider to be classics and instant classics. Now let's move on to the movies. Again, we had to define this in a unique way. Uh, what makes a classic a classic? What year becomes classics? Whatever. It's ever-changing. So for us and for our situations, we figured we'd give ourselves a little bit of leeway, like a 20-year gap between me and Kenny and Kyle. So we did game, movies that came not, out not that much. <laughs> before not that much. we were born. Movies that came out before we were born. I like how Kenny put 1985, and then I assume Kyle put old, ha, 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 next to it. <laughs> so for Kyle, that's 1988. Movies that came out pre-1988. For Kenny, that's 1985. And for me, that's 1994. So these are movies that came out before we were born and what we would consider classics. Kyle, talk to us about your honorable mentions. All right. uh, For my list, I really did try to make it more classic than like, I didn't want to pick movies just from the 80s. Yeah, I did the same. I really went back to like, I I picked the oldest movies on my letterbox that I gave like a four or five stars. Um, So my first, my honorable mentions are, hold up, I gotta get back to this. My honorable mentions are uh, an old war movie called Stalag 17. Um, It's a movie I've watched with my dad uh, for a couple Christmases because it is like a Christmas wartime movie. Uh, And I, it's just an honorable mention because I've only seen it twice. um, And I can't even really like tell you a ton about it because it's been like since high school since i saw it last except for like when i was going to vegas earlier this year my dad had it on when i came over Mm. and so i watched about 45 minutes of it then uh but it is a really good like classic war movie um that doesn't get brought up with some of the other greats uh so if you ever are like hankering for an old classic war movie stalag 17 is a decent one to check out um then i have uh, a movie that i recently watched uh it's a german movie called M, which I talked about on the podcast mm-hmm. uh, a few months ago um, about a serial killer in Germany who was kidnapping children and killing them. A great uh, enthralling movie about pre-Nazi Germany. M is one I really um, want to watch. Then, and I'm happy to yeah, see it I think list. you would. I think you would love M. And then my third honorable mention is To Kill a Mockingbird uh, with Gregory Peck. Uh, so To Kill a Mockingbird is a, a classic movie, one my mom actually really enjoyed. Um, and the reason I put it on the list actually is because To Kill a Mockingbird is my favorite book. Uh, so I want to just give a little bit of shout out to the movie, which is also spectacular. Not as good as the book. The book is an absolute classic, but uh, literary purposes. But 
the movie is still very good. Um, and if you don't like reading, it does it justice. So check out To Kill a Mockingbird if, you, if you're so inclined. Excellent. Kenny. Um, I, I feel I feel attacked um, being the old one. But oh, well, <laughs> this was for you. Kenny. OK, Boomer. We ma- we this topic was for you. Was it? Yeah, we figured yeah. you were a little homesick. Right. Just trying to. <laughs> uh, so, so I, I kind of the way I chose movies, I tried to pick a movie from each decade from my main list. Uh, for my honorable mentions, I have uh, I chose I just like f- favorites. Uh, almost like comfort movies so like better off dead it's it's like an absurd comedy um just the the humor is like off the wall and just like very silly but i love it for it and it's, it's like one of those movies i like instantly connected with when i watched mm-hmm. it uh also rosemary's baby uh this is from the six the 60s i think early 60s horror movie um very just weird and just like dark. Um, you'd probably love it. It was on my list this um, month, but or well in October, but I I never got around to it. But I, I hope to see it soon. Yeah, I think it still holds up. I, I saw it several years ago, and I, I was really t- taken back by just like how unsettling it is, mm-hmm. and just uh, um, the general feel of it, and just like the absurdity of it as well, but also just the darkness mm-hmm. of it. They did a really uh, is a Roman Polanski movie, so you know. And that's not right. great, but it, but it is it's, it's I I think it's still moved. It holds up really well. Um, Back to the Future. I mean, that's yeah, I just figured that classic. To make it on the list at some point, all over. Yeah, and I think my final one would be One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which is the one I've talked about as uh, before uh, briefly. But it's a absolute a beautiful movie. One of my one of my favorites uh, from that era. I didn't so. pick a bird movie. I'm the only one oh, without yeah. a bird movie. I'll pick birds. Uh, yeah. I've okay. never actually seen it. Have you seen birds? No. But my mom is terrified of birds. I'm pretty sure she hates that movie. I think it was actually that movie that spawned the fear of birds, perhaps. I mean, I can see that. I've yeah. never seen it, but, you know, I believe her. Uh, I picked, for my honorable mentions, um, Citizen Kane, which came out in 1941. And actually, if you're interested in hearing us talk more about Citizen Kane, we are doing our Patreon pod, uh, eight, or our zero to Z list, rather, um, where we are going to be talking about Citizen Kane. And you can check that out at patreon.com slash tablenauts. And you can hear us talk more about that movie as well as anything else on our alphabet list. Then I picked The Umbrellas of Sherberg, which came out in 1964. This is a classic musical. Um, it is literally operatic in that there is no spoken word. It is all sung. It is candy coated, absolute, like colorful. It's a treat, a feast for the eyes. Um, I know it's one of the inspirations that, uh, for example, I think Greta Gerwig talked about it being an inspiration for Barbie and Damien Chazelle talked about it being an inspiration for La La Land. Uh, just one of those movies that I checked out for those recommendations and really, really liked it. And then my biggest honorable mention which is strictly here because I could have filled my three, two, one with his and his movies alone is Stanley Kubrick. Much like you picked, uh, Reiner Knizia as your honorable mention. I'm going to pick Kubrick as mine. You have the killing, you have 2001, a space odyssey, the shining Barry Lyndon. It, the list goes on. There are so many movies of his that I love and adore and could just put in my classics. But I figured rather than, rather than picking one or talking about all of them, I'll just mention him as a director uh, to round out my honorable mentions. 
Kyle, what is one of yours? One of mine is a movie that is, it is the season, um, but It's a Wonderful Life is my first classic movie that I really love. I return to every year. Um, one that uh, I feel good and when I watch it, it's actually one I did not watch growing up, surprisingly enough. As much as I love Christmas movies, um, I didn't watch until like a few years ago. Uh, but yeah, it has quickly become my watch every year and one that sometimes I'll even watch multiple times a year if I'm feeling blue. Because uh, it is really uplifting. You can really relate to the the main character of It's a Wonderful Life. Um, Max, did you ever get around to watching this? I've seen It's a Wonderful Life, but it, I've seen it a couple of years ago. And it seems like every... I've seen it probably twice, but every time I see it, I don't see the full thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's on in the background yeah, at someone's house. Yeah. And I, I go and I sit down and I watch it, but I probably get, you know, 40, 50 minutes of it here. And then two years later, I watch another 30 minutes from another time. I've never sat down and watched it from start to finish. So maybe I'll make this the year to do that. Uh, but I, I remember enjoying it. I mean, I, I definitely liked what I saw. Uh, and I need to check it out for sure. Uh, what about you, Kenny? Um, actually, pretty similar to Max. It's it, like it's one of those movies that's just always on during Christmas. So I feel like I've seen the whole movie, but I actually probably haven't. Right. <laughs> um, it's a pretty but... long movie for how old it is. and. It does kind of, it kind of starts a little bit slow, uh, but it, so my list, I mentioned I wanted to go as classic as possible. Um, I tried to pick movies that like, I really like when I watched them, like I thought about them as just like great movies and not like, oh, that's a great old movie. Mm-hmm. I was just looking for stuff like that is a great movie. I don't care what time that comes out. That would have been great today. It was great 60 years ago. Um, and this was one of the first ones. Where when I watched it, I'm like, man, this movie just, it really hit for me. Um, so I, I would ask you guys to sit down and try to watch it all the way through once. I will. Because um, you're right. Like, it is one of those ones where, like, it's always on. So, like, you probably have seen the whole thing. Like, it happens with us with, like, kids movies all the time, right? Disney movies where you feel like you've seen every Disney movie a hundred times, but you've really only seen it in 20-minute increments. Yeah. <laughs> so. I, I will watch it this year for you, Kyle. I'll watch it this year for you. Oh, thank you. I was actually initially surprised that National Lampoons wasn't on your list, but I realized now that came out when you were one year old. So you weren't able to put it on your list. Yeah, Yeah. I thought for sure that would be on your list because I was thinking of movies that I could have put on mine. Um, And yeah, I was surprised I didn't see it, but that makes sense. Yeah, that's a good one. It's a good one. I definitely need to actually watch it all the way through, though. For my list, I try to pick up movies that uh, kind of span the the decades, so one from the eighties, one from the seventies, and one from the sixties. Let's try to pick. i try to pick movies that I haven't talked about a lot, except for this one, which is Raiders of the Lost oh Ark, which is an absolute classic. You guys are idiots. Wait, for whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't say you guys. Kyle, like Kyle reset himself. He watched it a second time oh, and said he you? liked it more. Okay. Okay, what you give it, Kyle? I don't remember. I think it was four and a half. <laughs> but I, I really liked the Indiana Jones series. I really did. Okay, okay. That's, I'm just going to direct this at That's Max fair. Then. Um, yeah. I've only seen it I, once, I, I, and I fully intend to see it again, but my first time through, I was underwhelmed. Yeah, I mean, Raiders of the Lost Ark is such an epitome of a classic action-adventure movie. Like, I think it's, like, created the template of, like, what a lot of modern um, movies, action-adventure movies kind of aspire to. There's so many copycats that came out after it. None hit the heights that it did. And I think like even like movies today, like I think like Marvel movies take a bit from 
that the uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? The mm-hmm. humor, the charm, they all try to take they try to take like those best aspects of those Indiana Jones movies, um, you know, to various levels of success. But uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark just such a great movie. Uh, it's a movie like I can watch now, and I feel like it still feels modern or feels timeless, you know, um, largely due to like Spielberg and his directing and just giving it that feel of like its own thing. Um, and you know, Harrison Ford, just such charismatic, so charismatic without like trying. It's just like, he, uh, he's someone I think just uses cool. He does. That's, that's for sure. Yeah, he definitely does. Yeah. Sorry. I was looking for, I was looking for, uh, (laughs) I was looking for Kyle's rating and I, I couldn't find it. I think it was actually just three and a half. So maybe he's not as in the clear uh, as I thought he was. It's, it's a three and a half or a four. Okay. I don't uh, think it's my favorite one. I like the second one more. I think. Really? Okay. I know that's kind of a hot take around a lot of people's parts. I'll have to. Uh, I, I, I still love Tumble of Doom too. So for me, we've talked about this movie quite a bit on the podcast already. Maybe not in great detail, but. This was one of the first ones that shots my mind when I thought of classic. So we don't spend a whole lot of time on it. And I know it's a controversial one, at least in the Discord and amongst Jeff. But uh, Princess Bride, 1987, I think is a a great classic movie. One that I think we'll still be watching decades upon decades from now. Uh, It's just like comfort food almost for a certain time period. Uh, it's, It's a great little aspect of storytelling with memorable characters and funny lines even if yes Mackie they're quoted a million times and they lose all funniness after you've heard them for the 10,000th time but I still think Princess Bride holds up I think it's fantastic uh, and easily one of the classic movies for me personally and I was trying to be a little bit different with my list as well I went and picked movies from the 80s 70s and 50s and I also picked movies that we haven't really spoken on Again, I could have just talked all day about Kubrick if I really wanted to continue talking about movies that we've already spent more time than we should have on. Uh, but yeah, for me, first pick, Princess Bride, 1987. Are you all fans of this one? Not really. I am. I, I think it's very much a nostalgia pick yeah, for agreed. me. Um, but I, th- I, I think it's like, I think you'll watch it a bit later in life, but like even watching it then, like as maybe like a teenager, I was just filled with the sense of like wonder and just uh i don't know uh, that almost that storybook feel mm-hmm. yeah but kind of brought into like real life i think it does that super super well Agreed. great great pick max all right kyle good job max <laughs> thanks thanks goody what's your next one all right so my 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 next one is i mentioned solid 17 as a classic war movie that gets an honorable mention but i have to mention my favorite classic war movie uh, the Great Escape, which I think would be on a lot of people's lists. Um, the Great Escape is uh, based on a true story, uh, and it's starring Steve McQueen, who uh, talk about another guy that oozes cool. Um, it is about a uh, guy, and, and not that one. That's Lightning McQueen, oh. different guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow, about, Kyle. Uh, group this of is a three-hour movie. Yeah. And you liked it? Yeah. It's incredible. What happened to you? I'm still the same A month guy. ago, you said any Just movie be before the 1990s was trash, and any movie longer than an hour and a half was trash, and here you are nope. praising an old nope. three-hour movie. Look at you. I'm proud of you. <laughs> I, 
The thing is, I've never said that. Mm. You guys like to believe. Run it back. Check the tapes. (laughs) Uh, But The Great Escape is about a couple of uh, guys in a POW camp um, just trying trying to get out. Uh, and it's wild that it's based on a true story. Uh, and I won't spoil it, I guess, but they, somebody gets out, they do escape. Um, but the funny thing about this one is, so I watched this not on my own volition, but about a decade ago, maybe even more, maybe 15 years ago, me and my friends decided to take the IMDB top 250 list or top, whatever their top, whatever list is, put it in like. Uh, a fishbowl like all of it and like every friday we would just pull one out and watch it that sounds fun so the i want to do that the great escape came up and i was like oh man this is gonna be freaking brutal uh because we were wa- it started at like eight o'clock at night and like i knew it was a three-hour old movie and i was like i'm gonna fall asleep halfway through and i was just like so engrossed by it um yeah it, it that was fun it was fun to do you want again like you like us to broaden our horizon right mm-hmm, max it, like mm-hmm. made it forced us to watch movies we may not have otherwise and great escape is one of those like i would have never watched the great escape without doing that exercise mm-hmm. uh and it ended up being one of my favorite uh movies uh in ter- like war movies anyway sure. i'm not a huge genre of mine yeah but... me neither cool maybe <laughs> i'll have to check this out you know three hours long means i'm probably gonna love it it's just yeah, instinct. three hours long and older and a classic. It's loved by a lot of people. The critics, you know, I love, love the critics. It. I love the critics more than I love movies. I just see. I just <laughs> it's if they like it, I'm all in. All right, Kenny, what's your number two? Uh, so my number two is kind of similar to Kyle. Like, I think I made like a I was trying to go through like the I think AFI's uh, top hundred uh, uh-huh, movies. Uh-huh. This one of the movies I picked was China uh, on that list is Chinatown. Uh, this is 1974 uh, starring Jack Nicholson. Again, this is also directed by Roman Polanski. So, you know, that sucks. But <laughs> Chinatown, I think, kind of stands on its own as like a really great uh, movie. It's uh, kind of like a film noir, uh, but also wrapped in like a, a mystery. Um, and it's interesting as the film noir, like it made in the 70s, it's it's quite a bit different because it takes a lot of the aspects of like the storytelling of like uh, a film or movie from the fifties, but kind of brings it into like the modern age of the seventies and makes it a bit darker in terms of overall content and just the, the, the feel of the movie. Um, but it still has like the, the classic feel, just like the twists and turns of the plot. Um, I think it's also a movie that really respects the audience in, in that it's, not a lot is spelled out for you. So it can be hard to, it can be hard to keep, kind of keep up with. Um, it kind of demands your attention to like understand the characters and the motivations and like why, why they may do what they what they do. Um, but it's beautifully shot. And I think it is, has like, uh, an ending that is like incredibly memorable. The, the final line in the movie will stick with me forever um it's one of those movies um i I highly recommend it i think you guys would both probably like it it's a bit longer and it's like i I think fairly dense of a movie but um if you kind of devote the time to it like i think you would i think you would both appreciate it for sure i'm misremembering uh who it is in the discord someone in in the discord in particular really advocates for chinatown it's been on my watch list for a while Uh, i definitely need to get around to to doing it uh to, to watching it rather but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of like hung in that limbo phase. So with your recommendation, maybe I'll move it closer to the top. But I do think this is a movie that I would like. 
Yes, yeah, it's, it's one of those weird things. Like you look at the plot synopsis for it, and you're like, "This seems boring as shit." But they <laughs> they do a good job of wrapping in the intrigue, sure. and it goes it goes places you don't expect it to, um, which I think is you know at least pretty deep into the movie. Like you hit a pretty good twist and turns okay. that really change the feel of the movie. So yeah. Speaking of going places we didn't expect us to, my second pick uh, is <laughs> Greece which came out in 1978, probably one of the most like, you know, you look up in the dictionary, the word musical and Greece might as well be there. I feel like it's, it's one of the most, not necessarily the most, but one of the most well-known, not necessarily well-regarded uh, musicals of at least the 20th century. Uh, I think Greece, it has a lot of problems. It's quite problematic in many areas. However, <laughs> you don't say it still yeah. holds up big time from the songs and just from how much I adored it growing up. Like I've not seen Greece in probably a decade and I know, I know it's problematic in many ways, but as far as like how the music hits, I still think I would love it to this day. Uh, I think it is like, tell me more, tell me more. Did you get very far? <laughs> See, we can, we can do this all day long. It's just, I don't know. Like it's just, it, it, it's real nostalgic for me. It's up there with the likes of Rocky Horror Picture Show and other movies I've mentioned in the past as far as like movies that I had on growing up that I just kind of had on repeat rotation. And this is one of those. Um, and it's just, uh, it, to me, it's a classic. Probably going to get some, some flack for this one. It's a bit of a, a out of left field pick. Uh, but I think Grease is, uh, I, I struggle to say the word fantastic because I think objectively it's kind of not. But subjectively... It kind of is at the same time acknowledging its faults and problems because it, it has many. I still think it is a, a really, really solid musical that is just a fun time. You want to go first, Kyle? <laughs> I'll let you have it. No, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm like, I can't give you too much shit for this. I mean, I, I, I don't like Greece, but I don't like Greece either. It's, it's such like an impact in culturally that I can't say anything. I'm also no. not a musical guy, so what? Yeah, who am I to oh, say? Come like, on, come on! I love musicals. That, yeah. I think I think we've both established we don't really like. Musicals. I would I would unironically. <laughs> I don't know if this would be fun for you. I would unironically like to do a musical episode with you two in particular, Ugh, because Jesus. I know I know, but maybe not like a oh let's talk about all the great musicals because you'd have to watch so many and you don't care about them that much. But like maybe like maybe like give you three. That like you can watch over. What are you paying us for this? I don't know. I'll figure something out. You owe me something, Kyle, because we had a bet that you have lost. Not three. Well, yeah, that, not three musicals. That's, that might be true. I I feel like I've given most musicals a shot. You know, it's I've seen. I feel like I've seen like all the classics. You know, some I do like. I I think I can appreciate them, but I just it's not something I seek out. What are your favorite I, I don't, musicals, Kenny? I really like West Side Story. Um, it's funny because it's like I, I like I, Hamilton. West Side Story is one that I don't care for that much. Like, I think it's good, but like I don't care for it that much. Yeah, I saw it in high school, so like I think it hit me there. I had a lot of feelings in high school. So. Didn't we all? I'm dead oh, okay. inside now, so I'm fine. Um, but I also I, I I do appreciate Singing in the Rain. I mm -hmm. think it's like uh, in terms of just like what they did uh, is pretty astounding. Um, but you know, I think, I think I mostly linked. Yeah, I still lean towards like some of the older stuff because I think, in terms of the scale and w of what they did, was 
quite impressive back then. I I agree, but what about oh, I'm going to get crap whatever like La La Land in the Heights? Any of those or any Disney uh, musicals that really seen. speak to you? I mean, I like I think we talked about this before, but I feel like Disney like animated musicals just feel different. They don't really oh. I I objectively know that they are a musical, but it just doesn't feel okay. the same. Okay. So yeah, I think you have to you have to buy into a certain level of silliness to buy to see like you know um, Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling prancing around um, in Technicolor singing about their God, feelings. I love uh, it so much. <laughs> but you know, here's a funny thing. Like I I think I might be warming up to La La Land slightly. Like it, it just the like the main theme of that song just got stuck in my head for at least a week, and I was like, I don't know if it was like a Stockholm syndrome or something, but I was like, do I like La La Land? Yes, Kenny. Wait. Yes, Kenny! <laughs> I don't oh. think I do, but I, I think this movie, I think I, I do want to rewatch La La Land and give it a better shake than I have in the past. Well, so. hey, that's all I ask. I appreciate that. Alright, Kyle. Unless you feel like telling what? us your favorite musicals, what's your last pick? Uh, My last pick is uh back to back, let's go back to horror movies just a just just a little bit um it's the alfred hitchcock great psycho um which max i know you don't really like that well much. okay that's it. it i'd like to we don't have to go deeper into psycho right this moment um I, i'd probably like to rewatch it before i talk too heavily on it but i like psycho i think i just everyone loves psycho and i was a bit underwhelmed um but I do want to go back and rewatch it, and it's one that I can genuinely appreciate the the skill that it takes to make that movie, because I think it does take a lot. It is a classic. It's a great pick for this list, but I, it's not one that like blew me away. Yeah, it it really did blow me away, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, and I'm not one to like get blown away by like the technical aspects of like older movies just because of like what they did in their time. Um, and there's like one scene in particular that looks terrible. Uh, for the 2023 yeah just awful um but the storytelling uh the characters uh the twist which i did not know going into it i did not know the yeah, twist. i did that probably so that hurt was, that little. was pretty cool yeah. um yeah i just it's just one of those movies that like really sat with me and like i knew going in that everybody loved it so like maybe that kind of hyped me up a little bit because like i wanted to like it but yeah i, I really enjoyed psycho um i haven't returned to it in a while though uh not one that i've like that has been begging a rewatch uh but the one or two times i've seen it uh, i really really liked it and it also spawned uh a guilty pleasure show of mine bates motel which is about psycho uh that was a phenomenal tv show i haven't rewatched psycho since then either but i fully intend to and uh funnily enough kyle i actually have the 4k for psycho so you know <laughs> gonna be good i bet it is beautiful though Any, you probably called it those black and white movies the old it really is interesting how how incredible older movies look in 4k like compared to something i don't know like marvel or that was made last year or whatever like so many older movies look friggin' phenomenal Well, they need it more yeah and they were using cameras that like even showed it more like huge big cameras that projected on film that really translates really nicely into 4k so i'm pretty excited to watch psycho whenever i get around to it but kenny you like psycho or not or not i know you're a big horror guy 
Um, I mean, it's, I think it's one of those things. I watched it when I was younger and I feel like even then everything was kind of ruined for me in terms of like surprises and stuff. So it never really hit, um, in the same way. I remember I saw it around the time, like they did a remake of Psycho, like in the late nineties. There's like, like four Psychos. I don't, I don't know about any remakes, but there's like four Psychos, like Psycho one, two, three, four. I did not know that. Not necessary. Yeah. So, and I think like the, yeah. So I think like it's, it's always been a movie that's just been kind of ruined for me in terms of. I knew what it was. I knew the twists. So it just never really hit. But I do think I can appreciate like the filmmaking and just like all that. But um, in terms of like being able to like make an impact on me, it didn't really, didn't really happen. Fair enough. What did make an impact on you, Kenny? Um, so the next movie I'm going to miss this list is The Apartment. Uh, this is in from 1960. Another Hitchcock, right? Um, no, not? this is a, this is actually like a, comedy kind of romance drama mm-hmm. um starring jack lemon shirley mclean uh and this, it is a movie that really surprised me like how much i liked it I, it was again i think it was one of those movies on the afi list that i watched and i was really just surprised by like oh wow this is just like really well made it feels like very genuine um it's basically about uh like a, a guy working at a pretty large company like insurance company who's just trying to rise through the ranks and he, he basically rises through the ranks and gets a favor in the company by letting his, you know, executives and bosses at the company use his apartment as like a, like a, a pad where they can hook up with their, uh, their mistresses, um, in a very madman esque madman esque, uh, fashion. Um, so it, and the things kind of spiral when uh, a girl that he is and kind of like falling for at the company, shows up at the apartment one day and things kind of go south. Um, nothing, nothing so dark or, um, as the, that's like that might imply, but, um, yeah. And I think like it's a movie that like has like progression and growth with the characters. Um, and I think it's a really good movie. Um, it's also a holiday movie, surprisingly. Uh, it's not like a cheerful, um, you know, hurry for Christmas type thing, but it kind of embraces like the melancholy of, and maybe the loneliness of the holidays. Um, and so, you know, maybe not the feel good classic to watch, uh, over your Christmas break, but, um, could still qualify for like a Christmas movie or new year's movie. Um, but yeah, the apartment, I, uh, it's hard for me to express like why I like the movie, but it's one I, I, I remember really, really liking. It's one I think I should probably like, rewatch again pretty soon. So yeah, uh, I'll have to check that one out. I always thought for some reason I see now it's not it's Billy Wilder, but I always thought for some reason that was a Hitchcock movie. Probably because Rear Window, an apartment, maybe just like it's in an apartment, it's set in an apartment. <laughs> like maybe that's what threw me for a loop. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I'd have to. I'll have to check this one out. It sounds interesting. And the last pick for me is Twelve Angry Men, which came out in 1957. This movie that I didn't see until last year, if not last year, the year before. It was 2021 or 2022. Two years ago. But we watched yeah. it in part of our Ohana movie club. Uh, I think it was Emily's pick. And I, it kind of blew me away because you don't really anticipate a black and white movie from 1957 that is a chamber piece where like you're in a room and that's it. You're just talking full on dialogue to really be that effective and i thought it was incredibly it effective so relative relevant yeah. so yeah relevant for absolutely today. that's true um still so, i was gonna put this on my list but i thought you might mm-hmm. it's why i did yeah it. um yeah so, 
phenomenal movie. Yeah, and one of the older ones, like, really feels like it's worth talking about as far as, like, I mean, I know there's plenty of old movies, and I mentioned, well, I didn't mention, I, I put down here in my notes, actually, that thinking about this made me realize how few, like, actual classics I've ever seen. Um, like, I'm talking old classics, not not stuff before I was born, but we're talking Casablanca, we're talking some like it hot, speaking of another Billy Wilder, we're talking about The Apartment, things like that, that are just movies that I haven't seen that I know have a huge cultural impact as far as cinema goes and, and, and classics or, or, or whatever. But uh, 12 Angry Men being one of them that I have seen and really stuck with me. I think it's fantastic. The performances are incredible. It's just, I, I still don't, I'm still surprised to this day that it was as good as it was like you just i can't it's it's what 12 people in a room talking and it's so darn compelling and and the plot is just kind of wild in terms of like the subject matter and uh for that for that time period right just like the absurdity of uh just like this kid who is uh gonna go to jail forever for life because of a murder um because he is i think he's latino he right is, I yeah. think it was mm-hmm. a mexican kid um and then like a similarly to like to kill a mockingbird which has very heavy uh, uh tones of racism and like how to deal with racist america and which is like something you would expect today right like talking about that back but then but, like, to think a director would do that yeah. in the time is is crazy and i've actually i've never seen any other of his movies uh sydney lumet but I know he did like Serpico and stuff, but the only one I've ever seen from him is 12 Angry Men. But yeah, it, like when you, when I think of classics, the first things that really shoot into my mind are Kubrick, Citizen Kane and 12 Angry Men. Like those are just what instantly comes into, into my thought process. So fantastic movie. Can you have you seen 12 Angry Men? Uh, no. Oh man. <laughs> Kenny, you gotta see 12 Angry Men. It's really good. Yeah, Max is right on this one, Kenny. Oh, thanks, Kyle. Yeah. I, I... <laughs> <laughs> That's not backhanded at all. Good pick, Max. Um, yeah, I'll ch- this movie I'll check out for sure. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. And just like we did with the movies, are there any movies that have come out in the last three years that you would consider an instant classic? So I know you'll mention one of them. So the one I wanted to shout out was uh, the Spider-Verses. Both, uh, into and across um i know we had the bet and i know i lost that bet but still <laughs> both of those movies are in the top 35 of the letterbox top 250 which is which is crazy i just think it's going to do a lot it, it kind of broke the mold for superhero mm-hmm. movies um and in a time where we're getting dozens of superhero movies we're getting four or five a year um it set itself apart um and it's just kind of revolutionized like some animation like we're already starting starting to see it with like some boots mayhem and puss in boots and it just really set itself apart um i think they they stand alone and they tell a good story and it doesn't necessarily matter that it's spider-man although that does help for it to stand the test of time a little bit uh yeah just great movies um and i don't know max i don't expect you to agree with me on this one but I think in general populace, like the zeitgeist, I think Spider-Verse will be talked about for a pretty long time. 
Um, I, and I think it will stay on that letterbox top 250 for a while as well. I don't disagree with that. I'm not a huge Marvel guy. We've talked about this many a times, but like the original Sam Raimi Spider-Mans, I thought were good. I've never seen any of the amazing Spider-Mans or the Tom Holland Spider-Mans. I've only seen him in the, the actual Avengers movies. Uh, but I do think Spider-Verse is good. I do think it's maybe like a little overrated, but I don't mean that it's bad. I just mean that like it's so highly rated that it maybe surprises me that it popped into the top 10 on Letterboxd Top 250 and stuff like that. But. but I think it's like it does a lot of the things that you like, oh, I, Max. It, yeah. Like the visuals and the music and the sound and it everything outside of the mm-hmm. plot it is a 10 out of 10. Into the Spider-Verse is, is really good. Which is why it's pretty I think I gave Into the Spider-Verse a 4 out of 5. Um, and across, I haven't seen quite just yet, but I own it, so I'm, I'll get around to it sooner rather than later. Um, but yeah, I think it's I, I think Spider Verse movies have been like at, at least from the outside looking in. Obviously, I have no idea what the cultural like workforce is on, for the people that are working on the movie, but it seems like such like a passion project. Like I know it's a huge, huge money movie that people are putting money behind, and so it's not like what most people would consider a passion project. Well, Sony did not want to put money oh, behind really? it. Like, uh, from my understanding is like, Sony was like, kind of just like gave it to, as uh, it Phil or I forget the guy's name. I wish Josh was here. Kenny, you might know the guys. Who uh, did Phil, it. Philip Ward. Yeah. I, they just like, I think they just gave it to them and that's why it was so great. They did not, Sony did not have their hand really? in it. Like yeah. they did with Spider-Man three and freaking ruined the trilogy. Um, so Big like props to them because you're right. It was like a passion project for these guys. These guys knew the characters. They know animation. Yeah, their their care shows uh, through is what I what I mostly am trying to say. It really shows that these people that worked on this movie cared a lot about it. I think it's a good pick though. I think it's a good pick. Kenny, what about you? Honestly, I, I have nothing. I I it's really hard to think of like like even like what what is like going to be considered classic from this era of movies? Yeah. It's yeah. I, I cannot, I cannot think of anything. Like I look at the choices you picked. Um, and I think I agree like one of them, but uh, you uh, can take one by the way, if you it, agree, I wasn't going to talk about all three of them. I was just putting them down for me. Okay. I'm going to say, I'll, I'll steal one of yours. I, I think Babylon has a good chance. Oh, of being hell yes. A Kenny, I could kiss you right um, now. Oh, it's coming over. I, I uh, just could not disagree more. Did you see? Have you seen that one? God. I have not. What you, but why in terms you of just like don't, people talk, never even seen it. <laughs> because it's not about like what my tastes are. You were talking about classics that are going to live up. Like nobody else like cares about this I movie. Completely disagree, Kyle. I want to let Kenny talk about it since he picked it. But I'll I want to talk a, briefly about Babylon before we move on. <laughs> I think it's something we talked about before, but I think people will look uh, more kindly on. Upon Babylon, and I don't know, in in the future, I think like in terms of the audacity of what it does and how how like biggest swings for the fences, I think people look favorably on it. Like it it is a mess of a movie at sometimes, but I think that it's a beautiful mess. Um, you know, it's, it's like like you know, I watched it. I don't know, five six months ago, and I still think about it sometimes. I think it's a real. I think it's really. A pretty good movie. I, You're my I, favorite. I understand the hate for it. I, I I can understand the hate for it, but I also think it's a a good one. Um, I don't know. It, it could very be very well be wrong about it, but In um, way. I think I think there's like there's something about it that I think just hits for me. I don't know. In one episode, 
Kenny has said he thinks he's coming around on La La Land and he really likes Babylon and thinks it might be a classic. And I am just, I've never been more attracted to you. Uh, I completely <laughs> agree with basically everything you said. Uh, I think, I think Babylon is such a swing for the fence. And I do think that though it is not critically acclaimed right now, I think that time will be kind to Babylon. And obviously we, Kenny said it, we could be way wrong. We have no idea what the future holds, but I, I predict that time will be kind to Babylon. And I also think we should make, we should oh, make yeah. a bet like we did the spider verse. But what bet. would that Let's be? Cause that it's not hitting like the top two fifty on letterbox. <laughs> I, I would not bet anything on that. Um, but I think that it's also one of those movies that has, and you see this with a lot of classics. I mean, look at, this is, this is an egregious comparison. Please don't take what I'm about to say as truth, but look at something like 2001 a Space Odyssey or other movies that when they originally released weren't necessarily like box office hits. They weren't smashes. They didn't win a lot of awards. They were just kind of there. And then in time become far more appreciated i am in no way saying that babylon will become the 2001 a space odyssey of 2022 i'm just saying that i do think time will be kind to it and i think there's a rabid fan base for babylon like a cult classic a lot of people love babylon even if the world as a whole doesn't particularly care for it i think it came out at a tough time too like it came out like late 2021 right so it was like it was 2022 i think but 20 either way i think it came out at a time that like movie theaters are struggling and the pandemic was pandemic was still very much a thing so um i don't think people really got experience of like the Mm -hmm. best situation so i think i think that definitely hurt it it actually came Um, out late 2022 Uh, it was december actually of 2022 wow that's that's wild yeah it's also like a three three hour and ten minute crazy movie about stuff that like has been done before in like you know talking about once upon a time in hollywood or talking about singing in the rain like it obviously plays off of many similar things that those movies do so i'm not surprised that people don't love it but i do think time will be kind babylon i I very well think this is wrong but it's just that's my gut i I think babylon i like it i think the safe pick for me i have two more um is Dune mostly just because of the IP? I don't you don't think that. so. That, that no. I can't believe it's the other one. The one that I also had on my no, list. No, no, I'm, I thought you were I am bring bringing up. it up. I was just saying this is the safe okay. one to me. I think Dune is a safer pick because of the IP that it has. Even the terrible David Lynch Dune from the seventies is like a cult classic, and it's apparently awful. <laughs> Which maybe helps. I think it's a classic because of just like the Lynchian yeah, nature of it and just like how absurd it is. But I also is. don't even know how much I of a hand this... he played in Dune. Like, I think he actively tries to distance himself from Dune. But I don't know. No. Yeah, but like, I, I don't think he had much of a role in that movie. I think his name is associated with it. But it's unless I'm wrong, and I very well could be, I don't think he really directed it like you would consider most directors directing a movie. Like, I don't think he had as much influence on it as he would have liked. I will be interested. I I saw this on your list, Max. I was, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna completely say no like Kenny did. Um, I'm like more fifty fifty on it. Uh, because when I think classics, I'm thinking like, can Dune be a Star Wars, or can Dune be 
of like uh, the early the first 10 years of mcu can it be i don't know that anything is um, going to be that. i just don't know i think that in this day and age i don't think anything's going to match the fervor they was that came with star wars or that came with marvel but i think dune is i mean i can't think of another ip right now that has that kind of backing i think that if i look at the current ips not marvel not star wars that are currently happening i can't think of another one that has the the hype and cultural significance that dune does dune for me is just like just especially the the remake is just cold and sterile um, i really like it. i think it's like a very i think it's a very well shot movie and beautiful in spots right but i just i don't see that like connecting with audiences to like such a degree that like it will be like super revered for years to come but like again i, I chose babylon so i could be the first one super also wrong, came so. out at a rough time yeah 2021 i think yeah true uh i my other pick which Kyle also had on his list uh, and Kenny I don't believe has even seen yet is Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer uh, which obviously came out this year it's probably going to win a lot of awards even if it doesn't I think it's fan freaking tastic I the yep. more I think about it I've seen it twice the more I think about it the more I like it I'm stoked to get the 4k to watch it again like actively excited to watch a three-hour movie again like I don't know I'm I think it's I think it's really good and I think even people that don't not that everyone loves Oppenheimer but even people that don't like Christopher Nolan I think many of them are like all right yeah he 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 got one with Oppenheimer that was good like I think a lot of people really came around even the people that don't like his other works because of how effective Oppenheimer is and I'm I'm stoked to watch it again uh, I can't wait to watch it on my phone I when it comes it. out You know what uh, you were my favorite you were my favorite you built up a lot of goodwill this episode and you just crashed and burned. <laughs> crashed and burned, Kenny. And don't watch it like on the widescreen. Like have it to where it's like up in a little small. Oh, make sure you're like multi viewing YouTube while you're watching Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have the little pop out. I'll play some Marvel mm-hmm. Snap while watching mm-hmm. Oppenheimer. That's right. Yeah. That's you know what? Good. Even better. Yeah, have Oppenheimer as the pop out and watch play Marvel Snap while you're doing that. That's great, Kenny. God. Yeah, gotta get them cubes. I take back my kiss. Um what okay? What one more? What do you think? Of, what do you think Barbie will be considered a classic I, in the years? I debated to come? with that one. I also debated with like everything. For comedy, definitely. Yeah, I think it, I think it could for sure. I hope it does. It feels it feels like such a like of the moment right, movie. I agree, um, but I also think like the themes of it will could probably transcend um, into the future. I also think comedies so. can last longer though too. Interesting. I feel I feel like comedies don't last as long, but. Yeah, I, I think I'd probably agree. That they don't? I mean, think about yeah. like all the old, like, think about the comedies from the, the Frat Pack era of like the early 2000s. Think about like. Yeah, but so Ferris many of them Bueller are forgettable and... at this point. Maybe not for you because you're stuck in that era, no. but like. No, it's not like, <laughs> no, it's because I've actually seen them, Max. I've seen, I've seen many of them. Like when I think of classic comedies, and I'm, I clarify that I've never seen this, I just Caddyshack. know that people talk about it. Well, I'm going real far back. It's like Jacques Tati's like Playtime. It's like one of the only movies that what? I did. Why you give? What the Max. fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. yes, that is the 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 most classic of. It comedies. genuinely is. What? Don't act like I'm dumb for that. No, you got to. Jacques Tati's like, no. Playtime is a 1967 comedy that is widely considered uh, to be one of the greatest comedies Max. of all time. 
Don't act like that's a dumb statement. Get Jeff on the phone. You're, you're, this is the wrong audience for that. Thanks for listening to Board Game Box Office. Make sure you leave a review if you're listening and enjoy it. And if you like Jacques Tati's playtime, I don't know, leave a five-star review if you agree with me. Leave a five-star review if you agree with Ken and Kyle. That way we're helped out regardless. Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. If you're curious to hear us talk more about Citizen Kane, make sure you tune into our Patreon-specific episodes where we're going to dive in deeper to Citizen Kane. We've already talked about Before Sunrise and Amadeus and 2001 A Space Odyssey. Hope to see you there. And as always... Let's get out of here.